All right. Well, I am personally thrilled to be uh, having a, a men's event. It's been a while uh, here, and I've uh, had a lot going on, of course. And um, it's been on my heart, really, to uh, to have the men's ministry get kind of kicked back into gear. And so I, I thank Michael Eastman for uh, kind of prompting this and getting this together. So um, looking forward to that. I'm, I'm going to be uh, speaking a little bit, and then Eric is going to come up after and uh, kind of tag-teaming a, a lesson here. And uh, I went first, so in case we go along, it's Eric's fault. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's a strategy, right? So before I get started, let's go ahead and pray. Lord God, thank you. Uh, thank you for today. Thank you for brothers in the faith. Thank you for uh, designing us, Lord, in fellowship uh, through your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Thank you that you designed us to need one another, uh, to grow into the likeness of Christ. Thank you, God, that we can come together around your word, Lord, on a Saturday morning uh, freely, Lord God, and open it and uh, just drink and feed from your, your word, Lord, your word of life, your Holy Spirit, Lord God. We, we pray now that as uh, we do open your scriptures, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that you'd give us uh, eyes to see your truth, ears to hear your voice. Lord, you give us uh, receptive hearts, Lord Jesus. All of us, um, we're not done yet, Lord. You're not done with us yet, God. And I, I pray that you would um, humble us before your word, Lord. Uh, give us spirits of submission to Jesus in our life. And help us to even give us a desire, a greater desire, uh, to be more like Christ, to be men who are more like Christ, who lead our families who uh, teach our children, who uh, lead and serve in our church, uh, in the workplace, who live lives of integrity, that, God, that are glorifying to you, Lord, that people would see our good works and give praise to our Father who is in heaven. Lord, as we give you this time, we just acknowledge your presence, welcome you here, Lord God. We thank you that you uh, are here with us. And I pray, uh, God, as, as Eric and I uh, speak from your word, that you would give us truth, Lord, that you would... Uh, your Holy Spirit would speak through us, um, and that we would be out of the way. Lord, we want your words today. Uh, we want your truth. We thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be in Jude. <clears throat> One page in my Bible. Jude, uh, verse 24 and 25. So if you want to turn there. Right towards the end, right before Revelation. Anybody need a Bible? There we go. Bebo's got his memorized. He didn't even bring it today. All right. <laughs> All right, Jude 24 and 25. And uh, we're also going to be in Galatians, so if you want to kind of put a finger there, uh, we'll be jumping, jumping back and forth there a little bit. I wanted to speak today um, just on the Lordship and the salvation of Jesus Christ. Two very good topics. And and here's the, here's the deal. There, there are too many men in the church professing Christ who they believe in Jesus our Savior, but they don't believe in Jesus our Lord. Right? They want Jesus our Savior, they want Jesus to save them, but they don't want Jesus to be their Lord. Right? Lord of your life. Lord of our life. And... We come and we say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, I realize it, save me. 
but I'm going to stay in control, right? I don't want to change anything because I like the way things are. And um, thanks for helping me out on the salvation gig, right? So there's Jesus, my Savior, but not Jesus, my Lord. And likewise, there are too many men, I think, in the church that also believe in Jesus, my Lord, and yet they don't necessarily believe in Jesus, their Savior, because they want to live a good life. They want to um, live the Christian life, but they're trusting in their own works uh, to get them brownie points in heaven. And you see, the truth is that Jesus can't be your Savior unless he is your Lord. And Jesus cannot be your Lord unless he is your Savior. He is Savior and Lord, uh, both together. And he cannot be one or the other. And in Jude, as we look uh, at verse 24 and 25, we see this, this God who is both Lord and Savior. And he says this, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. And so we see this picture of a God who is Lord and Savior, right? And it's kind of split in those two sections. And to be a truly godly man, uh, to kind of bring it into the, the context of, you know, a group of, of men here, to be a truly godly man, to live a life that is honoring and pleasing to God, to, to lead our families and our wives uh, or future wives, future families, or even just live a life in uh, school or work or wherever God has us, in our season in life, to live a life that is glorifying to God, Jesus must be your Lord and your Savior. Uh, there's no other way to do it. We are completely incapable of living a life pleasing to the Lord unless He is our Lord and our Savior. And so to dig into that, and what does that look like, and what do the Scriptures say about that, um, I think is, is, is important. And so we look into Jude 24, he says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Now, are there, in, a, in a room this size, in a room any size, there's got to be men who are stumbling here today. right? Um, you might have stumbled coming in, the, coming in the door. You might be stumbling right now. Um, so are you stumbling today? Are there areas in your life where... Like all of us at times, we struggle with this body of flesh, right? This sin-stained uh, flesh that needs the Lord Jesus Christ and His, and His salvation. Are, are we struggling with um, fill-in-the-blank, whatever's coming to your mind, right? If you are, do you know Jesus your Savior? He is able to keep you from stumbling, he is able to keep you, He's able to keep me from stumbling. As we trust in Him, as we plug into uh, the vine, right? I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in Him will bear much fruit. As we plug into Jesus, He is able to keep us from stumbling. As our Savior, He's able to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. 
There's two things in that. So able to present you blameless before the presence of his glory. I am I'm not a blameless man. I, I, am, I am not a blameless man. I have uh, plenty of blame uh, <laughs> that I can point to myself, I can place on myself, that I am deserving of. Um, and I'm sure there will be plenty of opportunity in the future for me to uh, be very worthy of blame, uh, particularly when I'm standing before the presence of his glory. Uh, can you remember, anybody remember any times when a man stood before the glory of God? Can you just share a couple of times from the Bible? Can you think of some? Moses, what happened with Moses? His face shone. <laughs> His face shone. What was that? He started glowing. <laughs> he started glowing. <laughs> He, uh, I mean, the burning, even with the burning bush, he takes off his, you know, God, take off your sandals. You know, this is holy ground. He's, you know, struck with awe, facing the dirt. Um, any other examples? When a man stood before the glory of the Lord. John, and what was, how did that go with John? Woe is me. What is me? Okay. Yeah, he fell down as if dead, I think is what the scripture says in Revelation. And I don't know really what that looks like, but if I'm dead, I think, you know, fall down, look like that. You know, that's, that's pretty basic. What, anybody else? There's, there's a few others. Men who stood before the glory of God. I think of Isaiah's vision. Isaiah, yeah. And, and so what did Isaiah... Woe to me, I am ruined. Woe to me, I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. Yeah, I mean, that is, you imagine, if we could even start to imagine the glory of God. And if today, right now, you were just, you know, transported before the glory of God, how would you be feeling <laughs> today? You know, if it was just you, just you, and you're standing before the, the glory of God, I would not feel blameless. I would feel, I'd probably fall down like a dead. I probably would die, you know, and uh, unless God keeps me <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Times a million. And uh, you just, you, what you see in Scripture is that when we as sinful men stand before a perfectly holy and, and blameless, righteous God, His holiness and His, his the, the light of His glory pierces our darkness and convicts of sin and convicts of righteousness. And we, there is no doubt in our mind at that point what a wretched sinner we are and how in depth, the, the depth of our need for God's grace and for his, and his salvation. And yet we see here in Jude that Christ is able to present us blameless before the glory of God. How is that possible? How does he present me, sin-soaked wretch that I am, blameless before the glory of God. Thanks be to God for the righteousness of Christ. Right? He dresses us in his righteousness. Through faith in Jesus, he justifies us. He declares us righteous. So that when we stand before God, which all of us will, we will stand before the Lord in all his glory, in all his splendor, it's not me, Robert, and my good works that he sees. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that is how we're able to stand there blameless before the Lord. If Jesus isn't your Savior, that's not happening. 
right? He, is, he saves us and dress, by dressing us in his righteousness. That's why we're saved, because we get the righteousness of Christ. Make no mistake about it. And here's the kicker. With great joy. If I'm standing before the Lord right now today on my own two feet, I am not standing there with great joy. I am standing there with great fear and trembling because I know I'm deserving of the wrath of God. But Jesus presents us blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to stand there before the Lord and rejoice. Why are we rejoicing? Because he doesn't strike us down dead right there because we're dressed in the righteousness of Christ. And we can rejoice today, we can rejoice now, if we are dressed in that righteousness, if Christ has saved us through his grace by faith. And if we can rejoice today with the limited kind of just human uh, knowledge of what he has done, the, the depth of his salvation, and, and just really what it costs to pay for our sins and dress us in his righteousness, and the, the depth of our sin, and just really what we've been saved from, which is so limited, to then be standing there before the Lord with a much fuller vision of really what we've been saved from, the depth of our wickedness as, as men, as fallen beings, the, just the amazing glory of God and how much higher that is than we could even imagine right now, how much more joyful will we be then? How much louder will we sing the praises of God? How, how much more grateful will we be uh, to be dressed in Christ's righteousness. So he, he not only prevents us from stumbling here and now as our Savior, giving us all things pertaining to life and godliness right here, right now, to live a life that is glorifying to him only by his salvation, but he's able to present us blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy on that day of salvation, on that day of, of judgment, really. And we're standing there with great joy. Do you know that joy today? Do you know the salvation of Christ? And if you do, do you realize the joy that you should have? Right? Are you living that out? Are you rejoicing in Christ as you think of the depth of the sin and lack of blamelessness uh, that you have on your own? Does that fill your heart with rejoicing and a desire to serve the Lord and to do whatever you can to bring him glory in this life? Because he is able to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. It's amazing. That's Jesus, our Savior. That is the salvation of Christ that comes through faith in his name alone. There's nothing we can do to earn that. And uh, praise God, because if I had to earn it, I'm... I'm toast, right? I'm eternal toast in a lake of fire, right? And I am thankful today for the grace of God in my life. And yet, if we stop there and say, oh, Lord, thank you for saving me. I know I'm such a sinner. And you know what? I'm just going to keep on sinning. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that grace may abound, right? Yeah, may it never be. May it never be. Because without the lordship of Christ in our life, there is no salvation. If Christ is not your Lord, he cannot be your Savior. We look at Galatians uh, chapter 5.
Galatians was Martin Luther's favorite book. Uh, he taught this to new converts. He read this almost daily. Uh, it's about grace, the grace of God, and it's about how the grace of God produces the righteousness of God in our life. And in chapter 5, verse 16 and following, the Apostle Paul says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, and here's a great list right here. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, the, the Galatians had been taught... Um, Falsely, there was this this teaching there that, well, we're saved by grace, so we can live however we want, and we're still going to be saved by grace, right? We're not saved by our works. And in fact, if we sin more, the grace of God's going to increase more, so we're giving more glory to God because, hey, more grace equals more glory, so more sin equals more glory for God. And completely false teaching. And Paul lays it out here that if your life is marked by these things, these sins, you say, yes, Jesus is my Savior, but your life looks like devil, the devil is your father, then you're not saved, right? You, you cannot be marked by habitual sin. There must be repentance in your life, right? And all, not only that, but you go farther right here in the next verse. But the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, which every saved person, man, woman, child, receives as the down payment for our salvation, every one of us who has put faith in Christ for salvation receives the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That is the, mar the life marked by Christ and His salvation. That if you are saved, you have no choice there is no other option other than for the fruits of the Spirit to become more and more evident in your life. And it's not a day and night transition where all of a sudden I'm perfect and I'm living a perfect life. We continue to battle against sin, but sin is no longer our master. That first list is no longer the defining characteristic of our life. It is the fruit of the Spirit. And by the grace of God, He sanctifies us, and the closer we get to that day of glory, the more glorious He becomes in our life. Because not on my efforts but by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so are we seeing these fruits of the Spirit more in abundance as we live our life, as we surrender our life to Christ? Do we see that? Do you see that in your life? And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So Paul, probably one of the greatest preachers of salvation by grace through faith, clearly lets us know that that means that Jesus is your Lord. Right? And there's no doubt about it. There must be the Lordship of Christ in your life as the fruit of salvation. Right? Now, the other way to get that backwards is to say, well, you live the good life where it looks like Christ is your Lord and therefore you are saved. 
right? As long as you can live those fruits of the Spirit out in your life, well, then you get to have Jesus as your Savior. That doesn't work that way either, right? We go back to Jude. So now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So most definitely Christ must be Lord. And here's, here's what that looks like. Glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. As I look at my life, as you look at your life, and you look at all the areas of your life, is there glory, majesty, dominion, and authority of Christ in all those different areas, right? In my family, in my, in my, just my purity, my, the way I, my language, how I treat people, uh, my everything right Do, is is the dominion and authority and glory of god evident in those parts of my life or are there parts of my life that i've that i've held back right well jesus you can have this part of my life but i'm going to keep this one because i really like this little you know piece of whatever it is this little piece of hell that i'm hanging on to over here is really fun right or are we saying lord here i am take it's all yours. You sit on the throne of my life, right? And allow him to have reign in our life. We must. We must do that, but that doesn't save us, right? And so there are those that you can err on the other side where I want Jesus my Lord. I want to live a good Christian life. And by golly, that's going to win me some brownie points. You know, it's got to be worth something. Look at me. I'm better than that guy. You know? Guess what? Jesus doesn't care. <laughs> You know, because he sees he sees you as you are, and uh, just the very fact that you're saying I am better than that guy deserves something. That's that's called self righteousness, and that's a sin. <laughs> that's self righteousness. It's a self defeating uh, activity to believe that we could earn the merits of God, uh, the merit of salvation, the the um, somehow deserve salvation by how we live our life. And if we go back to Galatians, chapter 3, verses 10, verse 10 and following. Paul dispels this myth for us. He says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. It's pretty straightforward. Are you relying on the works of the law today? Are you, at some level, are you relying on the works of the law for the your salvation, for just at some level, right? Are, are you relying on the works of the law? I pray not, because all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all these things, all these things, written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified, no one is declared righteous before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. No one is declared righteous. No one is justified before God by the law.
that'll burst your bubble. You know, if 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 you've lived your life, as many do, I think, trusting in their goodness and just trying to be a good person and somehow believing that that is going to, when they stand before the pearly gates and you know the scales come out and whatever that looks like as, as people are thinking through that, it doesn't matter how much good, quote unquote, you put on your side of the scale, your sin is infinitely heavier. You will never balance that scale. Ever, 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 ever balance that scale. I mean, in Isaiah, even our righteousness is as filthy rags, it says. Even our, even the most righteous thing, our most righteous moment is a filthy rag before the holiness of God. And the only reason we can think, humanly speaking, that we could even have a chance at balancing that scale is because we don't understand our sinfulness. We don't understand God's holiness. We think our goodness is, is good. But if when we get before the Lord and we stand before the presence of his glory, if we're trusting in our own good works, we're not going to be standing there with great joy because we're going to see what true holiness is, and it's nothing like us. I don't have a shred of that in me other than through the grace of God, by his salvation, through faith, through Christ, by the Holy Spirit in my life. Um, and so you must, if Jesus is going to be your Lord, he must be your Savior first. And likewise, if we're going to experience the salvation of Christ, we must, it must be that he's our Lord, right? He is Lord and Savior. And he makes that clear. So, so what does that mean? And now I, I trust that most of us here, Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. And this is a good reminder. It's a, it's a good, um, as it has been for me, looking through the scriptures and just looking in my heart. But we know that we're not done, right? We're not, we're, we haven't arrived as Christians, as men. Uh, and there are areas in our life where we can more fully trust in the salvation of God, more fully rejoice in the salvation of God, rejoice that he is, because Christ is our Lord and Savior, going to that, on that day, present us blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. We have been guaranteed that by his Holy Spirit. and That's our down payment, right? We are guaranteed that if we have put our faith in Christ. And we're also guaranteed that our life will continually be more and more like Jesus because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, the sanctifying work of the Lord. And we can either fight against that at times, right? Where the Holy Spirit is leading us into deeper and deeper righteousness and more Christ-likeness. And we can say, yeah, but my sin is more glorious to me right now than Jesus. But the Holy Spirit won't let us stay there, and we can wrestle, and we can go through the discipline of the Lord in, in cases uh, and make things difficult for us, right? We can do this the hard way, we can do this the easy way, uh, to put it in that sense. Or we can fall on our face before the Lord, as Moses and Isaiah and, and John, and, and just completely surrender to Christ every area of our life. Because of the salvation God has worked in to our life, and God works for us, as we surrender our lives to him, as we surrender, again, every track of our life, and allow him to have free reign, we will see the fruits of the Spirit, we will see the Lordship of Christ abound in our life. He is able to do 
much more than we can ever ask or imagine. Right? Do you realize that? We all, we all have expectations of our life and like what we can do and who we can become and who we can be. But have you thought about who you can be in Christ? What kind of man, what kind of father, what kind of student, what kind of citizen, you know, what kind of Christian you can be by the power of Christ in your life? And oftentimes our, in our humanness, we think, well, you know, I, I can maybe rise to this level. You know, I can be, you know, X, Y, Z level, holy or whatever. Maybe I'm, you know, deacon worthy at some point, you know, in my life. Or maybe, maybe you think, I, you know, I, I don't know, just putting it in very human terms, maybe I'm, uh, you know, only quote unquote worthy to vacuum the floors every couple of weeks or whatever, you know, silly human ideas we have. But do you realize that the Holy Spirit is in you, the same Holy Spirit that was in Christ? that empowered him to live a sinless life as fully God and fully man, the same Holy Spirit. And when Jesus was here on the earth and he taught his disciples, he said he's going to send the Spirit, that very same Spirit, to empower us to live for him. And there's no reason whatsoever that each and every one of us cannot reach in and allow that Holy Spirit to work in our life and have free reign and live a life that is glorifying to Jesus, just like we see the great men of faith and women of faith in the Bible, because we have the same spirit within us. Yeah, we're fallen, yeah, we're sinners, but so is Peter, so is Paul, so is Moses, so is Isaiah, so is every other person in that Bible. You look in the Hebrews, the Hall of Faith, I mean, there's murderers, there's prostitutes, there's, I mean, and yet these are the heroes of faith. Why? Because they trusted in the Lord, and the Lord did his will through their life. So we've been laid, there's a foundation that's been laid in our life. Again, the Apostle Paul, will, we're not going to go there right now, but I'll just kind of paraphrase where he talks about, I believe in Corinthians, where there's only one foundation, and that is Jesus, right? And there's this one foundation, and that is Jesus, and that is our salvation, and that is our lordship. And that each one of us should be careful on how we build, whether with hay or stubble or whatever else, or gold or precious stones. Because at that day of judgment, whatever we've built on that one foundation of Christ is going to be tested, tested by fire, and if it's hay or stubble, it's going to be burned up, and we'll, we'll escape, we'll be saved because we built on the foundation of Christ, but only as one escaping through the flames. And if you would just kind of picture that in your mind, escaping through the flames, not a great picture, right? I don't want to be that guy. Or if you've built with precious stones and gold and silver, the things of Christ, right? Surrender to Him. When things are tested on that day, it'll be found... It'll be, it'll be found to God's glory, right? And result in his glory. Uh, again, not by our works, but by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. So, as we live and seek to be, uh, my prayer is that our desire is to grow in, in, in more and more like Christ in our life. In every, in every way, shape and form. But please don't trust in your own goodness, in your own strength, in your own self-discipline to somehow pull yourself up by your bootstraps and be more like Jesus because that's not going to last and it's not going to glorify God. You might get a little traction. You might, you know, um, have a good church attendance record and, you know, all that kind of thing. But so what? <laughs> if it's on your own strength, that's not glorifying to God. It's glorifying to you. And my glory is not something I want to live for. But would you trust in the Holy Spirit? Would you submit yourself to Christ? Would you look at your life, would I look at my life, and say, Lord, 
where can where 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 do you need to be more Lord of my life? If I can put it that way, where can I give you more reign in my life? Where where do you need to be glorified more in my life? And then it's not okay. Let me try harder. It's okay. Let me love God more in that area of my life and let Him have control. Let His Holy Spirit just empower us, empower our life as our Lord and our Savior. So, with that. Um, We just want to remember and be thankful. Rejoice in the salvation of God. If Jesus is your Lord and your Savior today, rejoice. You will be presented blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Let the rejoicing start now. And Jesus is your Lord. Let the authority and dominion and power and glory of Jesus shine in your life in every area, every way, shape, and form by the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of those ways is through how we live together, um, particularly as men and as brothers in Christ. And so Eric is going to come up and he's going to talk about uh, what the Scripture has to say about accountability, right? And how we can live in accountable relationships and, and what we're really commanded to and called to as uh, as Christian men, as Jesus our Lord and our Savior, both individually but as collectively at the church. So come on up, Eric.